what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. It's October 1st. It's Sunday morning. Quite chilly, cloudy, cool out. Perfect running conditions. Got the football on. I got my NFL Sunday ticket going. All the games on. The floor split screen thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for October. October is probably one of my favorite months. And uh, I guess my birthday's in the end of October, too. So maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. But anyways... Uh, my, I'm, I'm in one of those kind of pick em things for NFL games, and I have to say this week, a lot of weird upsets, a lot of scores I was not expecting. Uh, who would expect the Bears would be up on the Broncos, but I guess this shows how bad the Broncos are. And um, as an NFC North fan, you know it's bad when the Broncos are making the Bears look like a Super Bowl contender. So picks are not going well, unfortunately, in that, but... I want to do one of my Sunday countdowns and talk about Trump's VIP shortlist. And I want to give you my eight people that I'm predicting could be his VP running mate going into 2024. And hopefully these picks go better than my NFL pickums for this week. We will always see because, again, Trump is <sighs> Trump is hard to figure out sometimes. So he might say something now and then completely change his mind. So it's really hard to read the guy. But at this moment, these are the people I think. So... It's getting interesting because former President Trump has signaled that he doesn't see much running mate potential among the others that are running against him for the 2024 nomination. Now, I would argue that none of them are actually really running against him very hard, very goodly, as he would say, very strongly, because if they were actually running against him, they would be putting up a bigger fight. I think they are all running either to be the person in 2028 and just get their name out there or to be on his ticket or at least in his cabinet one way or another. But and it was interesting. So during that speech he gave at the non-union factory in Michigan on Wednesday night during the debate, Trump dismissed the GOP people running against him who were in California, obviously, and he said that they were all job candidates and they were trying to get a job in his administration and they were just trying out. And he said, in quotes, they'll do anything, secretary of something. They even say VP. Has anyone seen a VP in that group? I don't think so. <laughs> and I think part of it, too, is that Trump likes loyalty, but he doesn't really like sycophants. He always kind of made fun of the sycophants in his administration. And a lot of these people, especially like Vivek, do kind of come off as sycophants. So it's an interesting phenomenon where kind of the rhetoric over the last couple of years has been all these other people are just trying out to be his VP. But it sounds like Trump's going, mm, maybe, maybe, we'll see. Now, in this countdown I'm going to do, we're going to start in a few minutes, I am still going to have a couple people from the debate, because as I said, Trump is known to flip his mind, he's known to change his mind, so I wouldn't be totally surprised if he did pick someone that's running. I mean, I would argue that it would be smart to pick a few of the people that are running, because it could moderate him in the general election. But again, I don't think we can have nice things, and I don't particularly see him moderating, so time will tell. Now, I, p I personally think, just a little analysis before we do the countdown is, I personally think that after what happened with Pence on January 6th, he doesn't want a running mate that is establishment. He doesn't want one that could take on a stronger role than him. He doesn't want one that might stand up against him. He doesn't want one that'll overshadow him. Basically, he wants a loyal, sycophantic MAGA person. And for this reason, I think he will pick someone that's either weak, compromised, or just very loyal to him. But there's a fine line because I think he thinks people like Carrie Lake are almost becoming too sycophantic, 
but then he also thinks people like Mike Pence and Nikki Haley have betrayed him. So again, this is a very fickle situation. This is a very unstable guy, and you have to pretty much walk a very, a very thin line to figure out what this guy wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. So let's say Trump wins in 2024. I think he would immediately be somewhat of a lame duck president unless he just completely goes crazy with um, and becomes hyper authoritarian, which I don't think would happen overnight. So I could see our normal system kind of making him a bogged down lame duck president because we know Democrats, moderates, the media are going to likely fight everything he does, which I mean, I think will be a good thing in a sense, because I think some of the things he wants to do with like the 2025 agenda, Schedule F, I mean, it's dangerous stuff, probably pulling us out of Ukraine. Like, I think it'd be good if he gets stalled. But in his eyes, this would turn attention to his VP, right? Because we always know that when a lame duck presidential term is happening, people start talking about, well, who's running next? And that could mean they start talking about Trump's vice president. Trump doesn't want that, does he? He doesn't want someone taking away the limelight. He doesn't want them talking about, ooh, so-and-so is the VP. Are they going to run in 2028 once Trump can't run again? Trump doesn't want that. So I, I think it seems unlikely he would pick someone that's in good, good standing with politics, with the establishment that could run again and win. And because it's all about Trump. It's the Trump show, right? Whether you think he's good at politics or not, obviously you guys know my stance on that. It's not about governance or getting someone, I think, that would be a good fit for the country. It's about who works well with him and is a good second fiddle, if you want to say. So now, I actually think it's good that he seems unlikely to pick someone like Tim Scott or Nikki Haley, just to name a few, as his running mate. Why, you may ask? Because I think they would actually help moderate him for a general election Like, a Trump-Haley ticket, I think, could really appeal to, like, suburban women. A Tim Scott um, VP ticket with him, I think, would really help appealing to black men and some of the African-American vote. So I'm actually glad, as of now, that I don't think he's going to pick one of them because I think they would actually be better for his victory chances. But again, (laughs) they would also be probably too moderate and probably do Mike Pence type of things in a sense, and we don't want that, do we? And the reason I think they would actually be good is that The Hill writes, women uh, comprise 52% of the 2020 electorate. Joe Biden won 57% of them to Trump's 42%. Given Trump's misogynist reputation, in 2024, he may be more inclined to select a female running mate. Chances are Vice President Kamala Harris will remain on Biden's ticket. There is more of a reason for Trump to choose a woman. And into the countdown, the spoiler will be that I do pick a lot of women in this because I do think that's an astute point is that he kind of does need to pick a woman. Now, he might backtrack and not. There's going to be some men in this countdown as well. But it does seem like the trends are going towards picking a woman. And it would probably be smart to do. Now, again, if I'm Trump's campaign advisor, I would say pick Nikki Haley. But again, we can't have nice things. And I don't really want him to win. So maybe I, I shouldn't be telling him that. All right. So anyways, come on. Let's go. We're going to do the countdown. Uh... I'm going to start with number eight. Number eight is not one I think that's going to happen, but it's a hypothetical that I just wanted to add at the end of this. Number eight is that I actually think in a worse world, in a more corrupt political world, Trump would pick one of his kids. Hear me out. I think he would want to pick like Ivanka or Donald Trump Jr. because he's all about like empire, legacy, creating some sort of dynasty, right? Because... 
I don't know about Ivanka because we know that she's kind of stepped away from politics after January, excuse me, January 6th and all of that chaos. But I wonder if like Donald Trump Jr., I mean, he would be kind of the perfect VP because then he could run in 2028. I'm sure he could win easily because he's really popular with the base. He kind of has that same toxic, charismatic vibe that I find abhorrent, but a lot of people seem to like. Now, I think he's much less likable than Trump, and that's a lot for me to say, but I do think that's the case. But I think I think he would be the most loyal. He would he would be able to take some limelight away from his dad, but I think it would be different than, say, just some random person that Trump picks. So look, like I don't think this would happen because there would just be so much backlash but I think if Trump was just a little bit more deranged, he would totally pick one of his family members. And if Ivanka or Jared were still more involved in his life, you, if you told me, yeah, he picks Jared or Ivanka too, would not surprise me whatsoever. The guy's all about family. I mean, look, his family runs his businesses. Eric's in Chicago. Donald Trump Jr. helps run the company. Ivanka as well. I mean, look, if it's not, as long as it's not Tiffany, I think any of the other ones could be involved in this. And that would be obviously scary. I do not want like a Trump Trump Jr. presidency. I can't even imagine the bad things that would happen there. But look, this guy would totally do it. I would bet you on that 100% full stop. Now, the only thing that we are lucky about is that I think Trump does think most of his kids are stupid. Uh, He would totally protect himself over them. That's become quite obvious. So look, it's probably not going to happen. The other one that is probably not going to happen is number seven, Nikki Haley. Again, if I was a Trump advisor and I was going to point him in the right direction, not just in the primary, because he'll win the primaries no matter what, I think. But if I want him to do well in the general, I would tell him to choose Nikki Haley. She could appeal to suburban women. She could help Trump kind of get over that misogynistic vibe he has. She'd be good for him. But of course, she pretty much vehemently disagrees with him on a lot of big issues. And she's what he would call a rhino or a neocon. And I think the MAGA base would not accept her, though they would still vote for her and Trump, obviously. Like, they're not going to vote for Biden and Harris over that, right? But I think Trump has found her to be disloyal because she's running against him and she's talked about how he's put the debt up. So I don't think that happens. But this is just all hypothetical because she has a lot of experiences and can focus on real issues instead of the culture war, right? Now, I don't read the Washington Examiner much because I just don't think it's a great publication, but in this case, it has a ranking of different people, and it talks about Nikki Haley, and it writes here in quotes, she would be perfect, a a woman, a former governor, an office holder with foreign policy experience at the United Nations. On paper, Nikki Haley would be a great candidate for vice president for almost any name at the top of the ticket, but not Trump. And I think this gets into a good point talking about how During her time as the UN ambassador under the Trump administration, she said she was tired of always commenting about Trump drama. She wanted to talk about policy. She was there to be an ambassador, not answer for Trump's tweets or something crazy he said or the chaos going on. And the Washington Examiner notes that she would be a a bad VP because pretty much the job of of Trump's vice president is going to be to pick up all the crap, is going to be to clean up after him, to do damage control. And because of that, Nikki would just be a hard no on this because she actually wants to talk policy. And that's why I said at the beginning of this episode, Trump needs a VP that can be sycophantic, can defend him, and can kind of go on media tours to back him up. 
he he doesn't want them to take the limelight from him, but he wants them to defend him and be loyal. And I just don't think Nikki would do a great job of that. And if she did, I would actually worry because it means that she's totally sold her soul. Okay, moving on. Number six is another one of the ones that I think is a reach. This is Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm adding him because he, throughout different times, has been one of the few that has explicitly mentioned by many people as a possible vice presidential running mate. Um, Trump has said good things about him. Vivek has not really said anything bad about Donald Trump. I mean, yeah, he wrote a book talking about how the election wasn't stolen, but Trump doesn't care about that because now Vivek has totally changed, totally grifting, totally lying about everything, and Trump loves it. So Vivek has flip-flopped on everything, done a 180 on everything he believes, and now he is like Trump's most valuable, loyal attack dog in the... 2024 debates going on right now. And he's been attacking DeSantis a lot. He's been attacking Nikki Haley. But again, I mean, the more he talks and the more he's out in these debates, I think the less people like him. A lot of focus groups have just found him annoying. And I also think in a general election, it would kind of be hard to see what he actually could bring to the table because... We have to remember, Trump already has the private sector experience. He's an outsider. He's a billionaire or close to a billionaire. And also, while the Indian vote is growing, it's not as big as like the black or Hispanic vote or appealing to women again. And again, like, I feel like that would be a really loud ticket if you had Trump and Ramaswamy on it. Like, both are loud, both are arrogant, both are demagogues, both are like faux populists. Like, it would get pretty exhausting pretty quickly, I think, if you had both of them on the ticket together. And I just don't really see that actually being good in a general or maybe even in a primary. Also, the thing that comes to me is that he has said, at least in interviews, I watched his whole Club Random interview with Bill Maher, and he's, Bill's like, come on, you are just running to be in the cabinet or to be VP. And he's like, nope, I only you know run to win. I'm going to be president when I'm president, blah, blah, blah. And it's like Vivek... I think he's lying to himself saying he would only be president. He doesn't want to be number two or number three. But I think, I do think Vivek maybe ends up in the cabinet, like education secretary. It would be fitting if he was the secretary of education because he wants to get rid of the Department of Education. So it would be very fitting if the guy who hates it, doesn't understand it at all, is then the one leading it. It'd be kind of like when Rick Perry, is it Rick Perry? Yeah, Rick Perry was the um, cabinet member leading the Department of Energy and he wanted to get rid of the Department of Energy. Anyways, the one thing too is that Vivek is a Hindu. Items I'm just not totally sold that like the evangelical base and the MAGA base could really get behind a Hindu guy. Maybe as VP, especially not as president, but also we get to the same problem here is that Vivek is a big personality. And I think he's a little bit sometimes too sycophantic, like when he showed up at the courthouse after the classified documents hearing. And sometimes Trump might think that's a little bit too much. I know Trump likes the loyalty, but there comes a point where it's just like, don't be sad, man. Like, let's just take some deep breaths here. So Vivek, I think, will be involved in the Trump universe one way or another. But VP, I just see kind of out of the question. Plus, Trump said that all the people on the stage didn't seem suitable to be VP. So I think we should, at least for now, take him at his word. Okay, now we're getting... This person still, I think, is unlikely, but... Could be, because nothing surprises me anymore. Number five, we have Carrie Lake, who at one time I thought would be a shoe-in because of her just big support of the big lie, the fact that she's a TV star, well, you know, a reporter from the Phoenix area, gone, like, Obama drag show attendee. 
to MAGA Republican calling for violence and death squads and anti-vaccine rhetoric and all this stuff. And I added her to the countdown because I felt like there's always the possibility that could happen, right? She's been a very loud attack dog for Trump, doing all these rallies about the election being stolen. And now she's also apparently turned her attacks on Ron to sanctimonious as of recently. So she's been a busy girl. And I remember back in, (laughs) this is pretty funny. I remember back in early July, there was a pretty hilarious Vanity Fair article that talked about how Lake had basically moved into Mar-a-Lago and was there kissing Trump's ass more than his own family. And she was just actually living there more than like Melania was there half the time. And the article writes in quotes, sources said that she spent a significant portion of her time at Mar-a-Lago during its open season. So much that she was apparently at the Florida resort more than Melania Trump. Carrie Lake is there all the time. A person familiar with the matter told the outlet. There's a suite there that that she practically lives in. And I guess when you hear this, you would think, oh, okay, so she's like spending all of her time close to Trump. Like, this seems possible. On paper, this looks like she's doing all she can to be VP. But the reason why I don't think she'll be VP, or at least she's not one of my top three or four, is that Again, Trump likes loyalty, but he doesn't like desperate sycophants. He doesn't people that, like, and I feel like her hanging out at Mar-a-Lago, defending everything he does, and being there more than his own family is a bit much, because Trump just has such interesting standards. Um, (laughs) And unfortunately, I think becoming almost roommates with Trump doesn't appear to be helping her her chances here, because in a report I was reading, it seems like quite the opposite. Apparently, Trump has grown, in quotes, less enthusiastic about Lake. And the Daily Beast uh, revealed on Thursday that, according to people familiar with the former guy's thinking, she's a spotlight hound who is always striving for attention. Yeah, that sounds like an eh, right? If she's striving for attention, wants more attention, takes it away from Trump, seems crazier than Trump, actually, in a lot of ways, more radical than Trump in a lot of ways, I don't see him wanting that at all. And also, I think that she would serve the same role as Sarah Palin did to John McCain's campaign, turning people off that they need to vote. Like, even if you're a Trump person or maybe a moderate that's like, I'm going to go for him over Biden, I think if you see Carrie Lake, uh, Carrie Lake sorry, on the ticket, that might really turn you off because she is batshit crazy. And so I don't see it happening unless, of course, things can change. Things can get crazier. I wouldn't always just say 100% no, but I don't think she's going to be it. Number four, Marjorie Trader Green, as some call her, or Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, I think she does kind of fall into the Carrie Lake thing, or even the Sarah Palin thing, where you want to find someone that can appeal to less like extreme far right people in the general election. Marjorie Taylor Green, obviously a Trump ally, a big rock star in the party, unfortunately, uh, but she does seem like she might be a little too crazy if you're trying to win a general election. You know, she is the polar opposite of some of the people I'm going to mention in a minute. And she's also a female version of Donald Trump. And kind of like like almost Vivek being a bit like Trump as well. I don't know if you want two Trump-like individuals running on a ticket together. And also you have to think about Trader Green's uh, statements, right? I mean, she says some really crazy things. I mean, even making Trump look sane once in a while... And you have to think about Trump's campaign. Would they then have to be on damage control from two fronts? They would have to basically watch what Trump's saying. Also watch what Trader Green is saying. And 
Also, her antics could deflect attention from Trump as well. I, unfortunately, the way the party's going, I can totally see her running for higher office. I don't think senator or governor, but maybe either gets into the Trump cabinet or tries to run for president or something like that because she is a rock star inside of the party, unfortunately. I think this is going to sound crazy, so don't hate me. She has come off as a bit more establishment and a bit more sane than Lauren Boebert, which just hurts me to say, but it is true. Like She takes herself more seriously than Lauren Boebert, much more involved in politics than Lauren Boebert, and there's no videos of her doing the stuff that Lauren Boebert was doing a few weeks ago in Denver. But yes, I don't see Taylor Green probably being the most likely one, but again, I think it's very much more likely than anyone else I've talked about so far. Number three might, might kind of surprise some people. It's not a big name, but it's someone that I think would be smart for Trump to do. And this is Byron Donalds. He's an American politician and financial professional who is right now a Florida or a representative for the U.S. Congress for Florida's 19th congressional district since 2021. I think his politics are, are abhorrent, but I think it would be interesting to consider him. Because, look, everyone assumes Trump's going to pick a female nominee. I do think it's more likely as well. You want to appeal to white suburban women. But Trump and people around him, what if they do think he has a better opportunity to make inroads among black men? Byron Donalds is a black guy, black Republican from Florida. He could appeal to an interesting demographic as well. Um, Some interesting numbers. Trump did better than Mitt Romney among black men in 2016 and even better in 2020. And you have to wonder, could Donald's kind of help appeal to that part of the population? He, uh, Donald's African-American, three kids, coaches youth football. I can see the appeal. And he's also been attacking Ron DeSantis as well, especially after the Florida Board of Education stuff, saying that there were some valuable skills picked up or during the resilient time of slavery, which was insane, obviously. But Donald also has been an attack dog for Trump as well. He has pretty much done all the loyalty tests that we know Trump likes. January 2021, he voted to object to the certification of electors in Arizona, Pennsylvania. He's claimed Biden is not the legitimate president. He's done many interviews repeating that claim. He's also been one of the one of the ones fighting Kevin McCarthy. He first voted for McCarthy and then denied him. He's been part of the circus in Congress part of the shutdown chaos that we've been seeing. Like this is a guy who has MAGA, you know, stamped or tattooed on his back. And he's a fighter. He's young. You're fairly young. I think he's in his 40s. Uh, Energetic. I think he's deplorable in terms of politics. I think he's dangerous. But, um, you know, if, if 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 you're one of Trump's advisors, he's not a bad option to look at. And again, I am doing a countdown here. These views I'm expressing are not that I'm supporting any of these people because I think most of them are insane, except for maybe like Nikki Haley. But it wouldn't be dumb to look into getting a a black congressman to run as your VP. Okay, number two is probably my least favorite person on this list. It's Elise Stefanik. The reason why this is my least favorite person on the list is because she used to be a moderate. She was part of the GOP's autopsy study report after Romney lost in 2012, she was involved with Tim Miller, a bulwark guy who I'm a huge fan of, in basically trying to figure out what was wrong with the GOP. How could they appeal to moderates, Latinos, immigrants, minorities, women? How could they basically become a party for everyone? And 
she, New York representative, very smart lady, went to, I believe it was Harvard, Catholic, moderate, um, was very anti-Trump at first, and then somewhere along the way, she became one of the most dangerous sycophants in the country. She even tweeted out great uh, replacement theory type of stuff, talking about how Democrats are sending minorities into this country to steal your jobs and your vote and your identity. She became one of the most atrocious people in the Senate, or in, in the House, sorry. And she's defended Trump on nearly everything from the big lie to his racist attacks. And my theory, um, I, I read Tim Miller's book, Why We Did It, which is kind of his telling all about how he used to be a GOP operative and the lies and stuff they would do. And he knew Elise Stefanik very well. And he said he thinks the reason why she all of a sudden went MAGA is because she got addicted to the crowd and the clapping and the support. She became part of the club. You know, when she would speak at events and Trump would come, they'd all love her and she'd defend Trump. And she realized it was worth it to do it. And so she is one of Trump's biggest allies in the House, which was not something I expected because she doesn't fit the Lauren Boebert or the Marjorie Taylor Greene or the MAGA stuff. And she now chairs the House Republican Conference. We have to remember that she was one of the big ones that turned on Liz Cheney after Liz Cheney came out about January 6th, stood up to the big lie. She was one of the ones that really helped put that knife in Liz Cheney's back to get her out of Congress. And uh, she's the third most powerful House Republican. And she checks pretty much all the loyalty. For example, November 11th, 2022, four days before Trump announced his 2024 presidential campaign, she endorsed him even before he announced. <laughs> what a sycophant. There's a lot of other words I would use, but they're not good for a podcast. Um, also, Trump uh, could pick her because she would never outshine him in the media. She doesn't really seek media attention. She also could kind of be that moderating balance that's kind of like Mike Pence. You know, she's intelligent, religious, Harvard graduate, young. I think she'd be a good look for him. And she also defends Trump sycophantically. She recently expressed outrage when, um, when people were talking about his indictment. She called it, in quotes, a political witch hunt and a dark day for America. She's also said, in quotes, save our great republic by electing President Donald J. Trump in 2024. I mean, she's the worst of the worst, someone that I think could have been the future and the hope of the Democrat or the Republican Party. Instead, she's just gone down this dangerous road. It's depressing in a lot of ways. But again, I think she would be a pretty smart pick for Trump. She's voted with him. She's his attack dog. And she's also kind of calm and doesn't like to do interviews. So it kind of checks all the boxes. Okay, number one, we have Christy Nome governor of South Dakota, 33rd governor of South Dakota, I think first woman governor of South Dakota. And yeah, I mean, I think she checks all the boxes, um, probably much more than Elise Stefanik. She's been pretty quiet this election cycle, keeping her head down, not trying to pick any sides. But also, it's pretty clear her and Trump are allies. She's always been a big Trump ally. And she's been in Congress as well. Kind of good working class rags to riches story. As governor of South Dakota, she rose to national prominence during the pandemic. Kind of like Ron DeSantis, but she was actually in some sense even more radical, I think. She refused a, nation, or a statewide uh, mandate to wear face masks, obviously. They had those big motorcycle rallies, anti-COVID rallies all going on during her thing. She was seen as, you know, the brave one fighting government tyranny and all this stuff, doing a lot of Tucker Carlson interviews and all that jazz. And 
she's pretty right wing on everything. And I also hate to say it, but she also does look the part in Trump's eyes. She looks like she's central casting, right? Beautiful. I think she's in her late 40s, early 50s, kind of a beautiful and successful governor. She's good looking. And, and we all know that that's kind of one of Trump's big things. So she's straight to central casting. And so she looks the part. And we all know Trump, for him, that's very important. Also, I talked earlier, right, about how we don't want someone to overshadow him. Not we. Trump doesn't want someone as his VP to overshadow him or soak up the limelight. And I think she fits that because she had a scandal occur recently. And hear me out. I think he wants someone that he can hold a scandal over. Someone he can kind of control. He wants someone that's been embattled, fighting the media, and I think she checks all of those boxes, and he can definitely hold this over her. Not that it's the biggest deal on the planet in my eyes, but apparently a few weeks ago it came out that she had an affair with Corey Lewandowski, who was that former Trump chief of staff, and he's a real POS. You want to talk about another real awesome person. Uh, yeah, apparently they've been having an affair. <laughs> the New York Post writes in quotes, Married Republican South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has engaged in a years-long affair with longtime Donald Trump advisor Corey Lewandowski. Multiple, multiple sources told the Post Friday, Though no images of the two getting frisky are known to exist, the pair have been less than discreet about their relationship, with one source recalling them making out at a hotel bar during the 2021 Conservative Political Action Conference in Florida. Look, I don't care. But... I mean, of course, there's the hypocrisy of her being a family values conservative, talking about faith and family and loyalty to your spouse, and then, you know, getting a little frisky with uh, Corey Lewandowski, a guy who there's um, a lot of abuse charges on him as well, you know, at a hotel bar. So, of course, there's the hypocrisy there, but I think Trump would kind of like to have this affair because he can hold it over her. Um, it can kind of keep her in the background but also their allies, and she is the governor of a state that's going to be important to supporting him, and she's done a lot of policies that are fitting to him, and she's just a Trump sycophant, but not too much of a sycophant. She's pretty media savvy. So, yeah, I would say she's probably the one right now that I think will be his VP. It just makes sense to me. So anyways, let me know your thoughts. Um, am I right? Am I wrong? Do you agree? Disagree? You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You guys know the rest. Have a good Sunday. We'll be back next week.